So this is the image that has been floating around every corner of the internet this week. Uh, For those listening online later, or if this is your first time to see this, it is the image of a mother clearly sprinting away from gas cannon shot at them by U.S. Border Patrol agents. In each arm, she is grasping uh, the arm of two of her young daughters, both still in diapers. And you can also see uh, the border wall there in the background. This, I believe, happened, this picture was taken on November 25th, so just really a few days ago. I'm going to leave this image up throughout the sermon. And I don't do it for shock value. I left it up the whole time I was writing, too. I didn't want to forget it. So I don't do it to shock you. I don't do it to grab your attention. And I definitely don't do it for some partisan political agenda. I share this photo to remind us of what is true. And it is true that these children are lacking shoes and proper clothing. And it is true that only desperation and real danger would drive a mother to such a situation with her babies at her side. It is true that they suffer. It's true. So I'm going to leave the photo up because this is what we do. Every day we coexist with heartbreak and with grief and with hopelessness that is both near to us and far removed. And this is what Advent is about. We're in the first Sunday of Advent today, the first day of Advent. And Advent is about facing the darkness head on. We can't avoid it. We can't escape it. So we hunker down in the muck of it, and we learn how to have hope amidst it. Advent is the practice in these things. And according to what the Spirit of Scripture tells us, and according to our faith tradition, the significance of Christmas is lacking without this intentional season of preparation. So I invite you to observe it this year. Follow a calendar online, purchase a daily devotional, observe Advent with me this year. But understand that Advent is a penitential season. It is a somber season, ironically, embracing the darkness of our broken world by accepting it and breathing good things into it. We don't ignore the we don't ignore joy or happiness. This is the beautiful defiance of Advent. We can have them and hold them both alongside each other. It is a season of reckoning with ourselves and our world, reminding us that we can face the hard things of life because the presence of God is with us. God is with us and goes with us even to the depths. Advent has captivated me 
Ever since I was a little girl sitting in the moonlit kitchen with my family as my dad lit those purple and pink candles. And now as an adult, the mystery of Advent continues to undo me year after year. And I wonder why. Why is this such a powerful season? I think it is because Advent slowly exposes the deep truths of life right smack in the middle of the holiday frenzy. One of the truths made known to us is the power of the present moment. Within a religious tradition that leans heavily on putting our hearts and minds in an otherworldly place, Advent has a way of revealing the hope and the peace and the joy and the love that's buried deep within the layers of hustle and bustle. It faces the reality of the world's chaos and says, there is hope to be found here. So when we say look up for our series, we are not saying escape, but instead we are urging the continual practice of lifting your nose from the grindstone of your daily life. Look up and around you in your present moment, in your present context, amidst your circumstances, and allow gratitude to heal you. Something I'm reminded of each year is it is not the birth of Jesus, but the season of Advent, which marks the start of the liturgical year. Think about the ways in which you intentionally work on resetting your life come January 1st. Our new year... The church's new year begins four weeks before the big event of Christmas. It's as if to say this moment matters. Before we fully realize the power of Christmas, this moment of waiting somehow counts for something. What we do with it counts for something. This is the time in which we clean up and clear out so that we can make space in our hearts and our lives for the nativity of our Lord, which only is a super fancy way of saying the birth of God. But the birth of God, that's a funny thing to say, right? We've talked a lot about how Jesus took everything we thought we knew and flipped it on its head. Well, Advent does the same thing. It is the training ground for learning how to be contrary like Jesus because it prepares us for the first contrary truth we ever learn to fathom, God as babe. God as a baby. So we spend four weeks waiting and preparing for this marker in time that changed everything in history, everything in our lives. And part of making space is learning to appreciate what can be found when we are willing to plumb the depths. Sometimes this means we are working through our own trauma, our own grief, and sometimes it means walking alongside others. The point is that we make room for the hard stuff. And, and just being willing to do this is a posture and a mindset that is radically contrary. It is the antithesis of what society would teach us otherwise. So in this season, when the world would shout consumer culture into our lives, Advent keeps us grounded. When the world would have us leave our frowns at the front door, 
Advent is what we respond with. When the world cons us into thinking that reputation is the end-all, be-all, we say Advent. When the world says this is what power looks like, we say Advent. And when the world dares to breathe lies in our ears saying, don't let them in, they're criminals, they deserve their suffering, we proclaim that we are bound by our Christian faith to see it otherwise. Because Advent has prepared us to see the face of God in a poor, brown-skinned, refugee baby named Jesus. Is this the context that hope would be born into? This is Advent. It prepares us to receive a truth so contrary, so bizarre, we need literal time to fathom it. That the humble moment of the nativity of Christ would be our answer, the great prophecy fulfilled. We need four weeks of reflecting just to kind of get it through our heads. But the truth is, it has always been, will always be, unbelievable. So our reading today comes from the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, which speaks into the last years of Judah as a political, uh, independent political, in it speaks in the context of the Babylonian sage. When Jerusalem was invaded, the city and temple destroyed, and the people exiled to a foreign land. They were unwanted people. Their family units were disrupted. They knew what it was to be ripped from their homes. They experienced oppression and violence, loss and desperation, separation. Does it sound familiar? This is the context of the prophetic words we read straight out of this week's lectionary. I didn't choose them. They were already there. It's a hope-filled prophecy given to a people in exile about a refugee baby. When we read this text, we practice using our imaginations to understand a reality of past people's circumstances, but they are also circumstances that are very real to people in our time. I mean, children and families tear-gassed at a border in which they are unwanted on both sides. This isn't some sermon illustration. It's not a metaphor. It's not fiction. And neither is the heaviness of suffering among us. Just in our congregation, we have loved ones in the hospital. We have borne witness to the pain of senseless violence. We are lonely. We are depressed. We are anxious. And unfortunately, these harsh realities are nothing more than what it means to be alive. It reminds me of the first truth of Buddhism, which is the simple acknowledgement that suffering, pain, and misery exist in life, period. The hope of the nativity is a prophetic hope that we choose to have faith in. But what about now? How can we face the reality of suffering? How can we cast our eyes upon a photo like this one and dare to speak on hope? 
Here lies the power of Advent. It doesn't sweep the stuff under the rug. Instead, it teaches us to face the hard stuff of life and to face it together. It teaches us to roll up our sleeves and dig deep, determinedly excavating piece after piece of hope from our dirt-packed realities. And if Christmas is like the ultimate hope, Advent is like the digging. It is, a rem- it is a reminder to us that we are empowered to actively speak the things of God into existence now. And every time you say a prayer for someone who is suffering, you give yourself a little bit of hope that you can continue to wade through the darkness alongside those who need you. Every time you teach kindness to a child, you're creating a living, breathing extension of hope into the world. And every time you do something, volunteer, make a hospital visit, send a care package, cook someone a meal, every time you give what you can give, you are providing a tangible piece of hope to someone who needs it. What I'm saying is don't not do something because you don't think it's good enough or big enough. All these words we use during Advent are so cliche, right? We had a hard time figuring out a series title and language because everything's cliche. It's not just hope. It's joy and love and peace. They're so cliche. They're so overused. We hear them so often, and after a while, they lose their meaning and, and with it their power. But Advent has a way of reminding us that as the hands and feet of Christ, remember, Christ has no body on earth but ours, we have the ability to breathe new life into these words. We have the ability to reclaim them. We can give them back their power, and we become most equipped to do it when we are willing to put in the spiritual grunt work that seasons like Advent beckon us to. Advent literally means coming. We are preparing for something that has not yet come, but it is just around the corner, and the words we reflect on while we wait are good words because what we are waiting for is so, so good. It is the hope of the nativity, but why is it hopeful? I think it's because it's the ultimate reminder that God gets it. No matter how we feel or how it may seem, God gets it. Because God is made known to us in the most lowly, humble way possible. A baby. And not just a baby, a brown baby. And not just a brown baby, a poor brown baby. Vulnerability realized in order to prove to us that God goes with us even to the depths. Can we get it through our heads that this is what God is about? Can we? And if you can't, you might be human. No worries, we'll cycle through the church calendar and we'll get back to Advent again in a year. Keep trying. (laughs) This is why I am so utterly thankful for this season. It grants space for the opportunity to behold God, not in some idealized way, but within the muck of what is real to us. We discover God's presence among us when we're willing to look up from our distractions. And sometimes the stuff we see is hard. 
but hope enfolds us. Now, I've been talking a lot about Advent. I kind of like it, making that hard sell today. Next week, I'll, I'll lay off a little, maybe. But don't get me wrong. I love Christmas. I'm a Christmas baby, born December 21st, for anyone who wants to start shopping early for me. I've always loved having a birthday in this glorious month of December. It really can be a beautiful time of year, and I love all the fun traditions that come with it. And so besides pondering Advent this week, I've been thinking a lot about Christmas. And Christmas can feel pretty magical, right? I mean, why is that? That's what I was wondering this week. And I decided that it's magical because of kids. Because for one month of the year, instead of being the know-it-all adults, society follows the kids. During Christmas, we follow their lead, and we allow ourselves to identify once again with things like wonder, creativity, imagination, mystery, a.k.a. the things of God. Things that we are so often out of touch with as adults, but things that children are so naturally good at embracing. So we follow the kids, we follow their lead, and they lead us directly to another kid, the manger, God as babe, God Emmanuel, God with us. It is hope beyond fathom. That's why we have to talk about it over and over again. It is beyond fathom. But right now, it is just the kind of hope we need. So enfold us, God. Enfold us in divine hope. And may that hope become power so that we may love each other, including the least of these well. Amen.